If you're like 72% of worship leaders, you'll spend 91% of your preparation time on music, audio, and visual aspects of your gathered worship, and only about 6 to 8% of your time on spiritual preparation. Now, I completely made up those statistics, but the point is this. Don't neglect eternal aspects of what you're doing for the temporal. Hey friend, I want to thank you for listening to Accidental Theology. My name is Brooks, and this is a podcast where we discuss leading worship and maturing in our faith. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. I want to make you aware that this podcast is also available in a video format on YouTube, and you can find that by visiting accidentaltheology.com. My prayer is that God would use this podcast to help you grow as a leader and be faithful in serving His kingdom. Let's get started. We all want our worship team to sound good, and at the risk of using a controversial term in the church world, professional, uh, but that should not be an end in and of itself. You have to ask yourself an honest question. Would I rather hear compliments of how incredible our band sounds each week or testimonies of how God moved in my friends' hearts during worship time. Both can be true at the same time. They aren't mutually exclusive, but if one aspect deserves more of our attention and striving towards, spiritual preparation should always trump musical or visual preparation. One thing I love to do, and one of the biggest reasons I started Accidental Theology, is to get worship leaders to ask the question why. Anyone can start a copy and paste ministry, but it takes hard work and intentionality to do the work of building and discipling people. What do I mean exactly by that? Well, if my reasoning for doing the things I'm doing or buying the equipment I'm buying is to look, sound, and operate like some mega church's worship team, I'm going to lead the local church I'm serving at down an unsustainable path. Because if I leave, what's to stop the next worship leader from doing the exact same thing, only they like a different church's model? And they spend their time undoing the work you began, and all of a sudden you've got a confused and sometimes preferentially split congregation that is either happy that things are being changed or they're no longer singing the songs they used to and they're unhappy with the new leader and constantly comparing them and the services to the good old days, if you will. However, if I begin the work of discipling my team and congregation, it's going to be messy and hard and frustrating at times. But what you'll begin to see is there may be a lot less complaining. There will be more conversations about people's lives stemming from a teaching moment during worship. There will be more understanding of the theology of what you're singing and not simply the melody of what you're singing. A lot of times that can lead to louder singing. We often spend a lot of time picking out music, rehearsing, setting lights, preparing orders of service, and getting pro presenter ready, uh, but we neglect putting much thought and effort into the most important part, which is preparing our hearts. So how do you start doing that? Over the years, I have found several ways to prepare myself each week leading up to services, and while I'm sharing what has helped me, this is not a how-to guide on what you should absolutely be doing. These are simply some ways that I've found for myself to be better prepared to lead on Sunday morning. The first thing is cultivate a heart of humility. Philippians 2 verse 3 through 4 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. One of the most important and impactful things we can do as leaders is to approach every aspect in our role with a humble heart. Recognize that your priority is to direct attention towards God and not yourself. Honestly assess your motives, your attitude, and your actions, and be aware if any pride, ego, or desire for personal recognition has crept in. James chapter 4 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Pride is a tricky little thing that looks many different ways for different people and it creeps in and takes root sometimes before we even realize it's being cultivated within us. Constantly remind yourself of why you are leading worship. My simple answer for why is usually the same as Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. I cannot stop telling about everything I have seen and heard. Leading worship is one way that God has gifted me to do that. Don't try to pump yourself up each week to lead in a way that you can hype other people up. Simply remember the price that was paid for your redemption. As Phil Wickham wrote, The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. How much time do you spend each week reminding yourself of the joy of salvation and humbling yourself before God? Next is seek God's presence. I stated in an earlier video that you can't lead people to somewhere you've never been. Spend time in personal worship and prayer before your times gathered together as a church body. Psalm 105 says, search for the Lord and his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. Approach your role with a heart that longs to encounter God's presence. This doesn't always have to be as hard as you may think. Uh, oftentimes it can be as simple as putting the songs that you'll be singing that week into a playlist and listening as you're driving down the road. As you listen, don't worry about trying to remember what you should be doing vocally throughout the arrangement or how you want to play a specific part or how to perform it and have the same powerful dynamics as the recording. Instead, prayerfully listen to what is being sung. There have been times when I wasn't particularly overexcited about a song that we may be doing that week for one reason or another, but by praying the lyrics as I was driving down the road, God would begin to work in my heart, and by the time Sunday morning came, I was more excited about singing that song than any other because what we were singing was a reflection of my heart's posture. Prepare through Scripture. Before leading worship, spend time meditating on Bible passages that support and give context to the songs you'll be singing. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you so that your leadership is grounded in biblical truth. Now, this is a little bit of a pro tip, but if you visit uh, lifewayworship.com, you can find scripture references for a lot of songs. What I'll do is go and find those references and put them inside Planning Center so my whole team can see them. I've created a notes section called Scripture that I put them in so they're visible right within the plan. During personal quiet times throughout the week leading up to services, I use scripture related to the songs that we'll be singing to allow God's word to penetrate and saturate my heart. And this also helps me to really think through the songs we're singing. There have been times when I couldn't find a scripture reference on Lifeway Worship or as I really looked at the lyrics and searched through the Bible myself uh, for passages to support the song, I couldn't find really anything. And so I ended up not using the song. 
You can use some of those verses you've been reading and praying through before or after leading a song during your services. Using scripture to provide context to what you're singing is a powerful way to remind your congregation that you're doing more than just putting words to melody. You're reinforcing theology and discipling believers as you sing together. I recently saw a post from Andrew Wilson that said, Interesting observation. When the preacher last night asked everyone to fill in the blank, quote, Jesus said, I will build my blank, end quote. Most young people around me said the answer was life. Our songs shape our teens' theology more than our sermons. Choose them well. Confess and repent. Take time to examine your heart and confess any areas of sin or distractions that might prevent you from worshiping God. Repentance enables us to lead with integrity. It's not only about confessing sin in our lives in order to have a clear conscience, but it's about turning from sin and pursuing God. If we simply say to God, I'm sorry, but we make no efforts to pursue righteousness and run towards him, we're fooling ourselves by thinking he is somehow pleased with our admittance of fault without a genuine attempt to live a holy life. Next, pray for your people. Intercede for the congregation you will be leading in worship. Pray for their hearts to be open, receptive, and responsive to God's word. Pray that your leadership would make room for people to encounter God and be transformed by His Spirit. Now, this is something that's admittedly hard to do if you don't know your congregation. Uh, If your time is spent backstage in a green room away from everyone and you never come out, you'll never pastor and lead your people well. I'm not implying that you should know everything about everyone that walks into your church, but all it takes is a few minutes of interaction each week before and after services to start finding ways to specifically pray for people. Ask God to heal marriages, restore friendships, convict hearts and open eyes. Sometimes a whispered prayer from a broken heart is all that is needed for God to move in a powerful way. Lastly, lean on God's strength. Some weeks take a toll on you both physically and mentally. And before we realize it, it's Sunday morning again, and we're wondering what happened to all the time that we had. Maybe you even feel a little unprepared to lead. There's no magic formula to making sure you never have those moments, but your weaknesses and shortcomings provide an opportunity for God's strength to shine through. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 12 remind us that God's grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. There will inevitably come a time where you feel inadequate, and that's okay. If you're making efforts to pursue God, His strength will present itself within our limited abilities. So when you're exhausted, tired, frustrated, and at the point of giving up, find joy and rest in knowing that His grace is enough. Stay humble and prayerful. Seek Him and His kingdom first. Love God supremely and love those around you and all the rest Will fall into place. My prayer is that if you're not already doing so, that you would spend your energy and efforts not on finding more epic songs to sing or ways to enhance lighting during a worship service, but that you would find time for those quiet moments with God to pursue Him more intimately throughout your week. And this is not only a call for you, but a challenge for myself as well. And as we become more committed followers of Jesus, may we have the wisdom to know what to do, the faith to follow, and the passion to pursue. God bless.